All right, everyone, welcome into another edition of Queued Up. It is Monday, December 5th, 2022, and boy, do we have a lot to get into. Big weekend in the NFL, disappointing weekend for both the Jets and the Giants. Giants tying with the Commanders, Jets losing on a couple chances late in the fourth quarter, but ended up losing to the Vikings, 27-22. to And just before I logged on to do this podcast, some breaking news Coming out of Mets camp, we know they lost Jacob deGrom, but they have signed Justin Verlander to a two-year, $86 million deal. They needed to replace Jacob deGrom, and they did just that. They went out and got the second best option out there on the market. And let's be honest, they needed to go out there and they needed to get either Verlander or Rodon. Personally, I was more intrigued by Rodon, but Verlander, at least short term, over the next two years that they have him, I know there's a vesting option for the third year, but over the next two years, you have Scherzer and Verlander at the top of your rotation, and here's the thing, Verlander is going to be pitching at the start of the season, unlike Jacob deGrom, who only pitched in August and September of last year. I think it's a good signing for the Mets, and Justin Verlander is a guy that I have no qualms about him pitching in New York. I think he definitely can do that. I don't think that he'll be overmatched by pitching in New York, and I think he'll fit in just right. I know he's buddies with Max Scherzer, so so Verlander should fit in just fine. But here's the thing. It just came down to the Mets not wanting to give Jacob deGrom five years, and Jake just not wanting to be in New York. It was the combination of those two. And I know there was an article that came out after DeGrom signed on Friday from SNY that said that by the time DeGrom came back with the offer from the uh, Texas Rangers, the New York Mets just said, yeah, you know what, DeGrom's just too far down the road with the Rangers. He's basically putting pen to paper already, and there's going to be no shot at us trying to sign him. And that might be a little bit true, but if the Mets really wanted him back, they would have been able to match that deal. And I think it was a good, smart baseball decision by the Mets not to match that, because let's face it, over the past three years, DeGrom hasn't been able to pitch a full season, or not even close to a full season. So I'm going to give a five-year deal to a guy who's going to be 35 next year and hasn't pitched a full year in the past three years? No way. I'll let the Rangers deal with that. Maybe he'll pitch well for the first year or two, but then year three, year four, year five, and there's even an option for year six. I mean, he's going to be 41 years old by the time that contract ends, and he's going to be owed $40 million each year. I think that's a terrible contract that the Rangers gave him. It's one of the reasons why in the middle of the season I said that the Mets should not sign DeGrom for a five-year deal. I do want him back. I did want him back for a short-term deal, but it just didn't work out. He wanted more money, more years, and the Rangers went out and they got him. They're a desperate franchise. Over the past couple years, they've been spending a lot of money on free agents. It was a disappointing year last year, and I would imagine that there are some people on the hot seats down there in Texas. So... They're kind of feeling the desperation that they need to do well this year, and it's going to be kind of hard. You got the Houston Astros, who just won the World Series. The Mariners look like they'll be good. And will the Angels finally put it together in Shohei Otani's what could be last year with the LA Angels? So that's going to be a stacked division, and it's going to be really, really tough for the Rangers to come out of that division. But we'll see. Uh, DeGrom definitely helps out their rotation if he can stay healthy. But this is more about the Mets right now. In terms of just pure baseball, I would rather have Justin Verlander for two years as opposed to Jacob deGrom for five. And here's the reason why. 
Jacob deGrom, not healthy, can't be trusted. Every time he goes out there after the game, you have to wonder if he's going to go for an MRI, if he's hurt, and if there's anything wrong with him. But for Verlander, at least we know he's going to go out there and he's going to pitch a lot. The only bad part about Verlander is that he is approaching 40 years old, and his time is probably dwindling very fast, and the window for the Mets is very, very small. Over the next two years, you have Scherzer and Verlander, two of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. You need to win now. And if Verlander goes out there and he gets hurt this year and he goes out and gets hurt next year, it's fine. They can just dump him after year two, and he'll be totally off the books. But if they signed Jacob deGrom to that five-year deal, 40 mil per, and he went out and he got hurt this year, gets hurt next year, and then he's basically done after year three, you still got to pay him for two more years, 40 million. At least with the Mets signing Justin Verlander, they can uh, get out of that contract after year two. On top of that, the Mets will get a significant draft pick compensation for losing DeGrom. So I think it's a win for the Mets in terms of baseball smarts or just baseball perspective. From a fan perspective, yeah. I mean, it sucks to see one of the greats in your franchise history walk away and basically not want to play for you anymore. That's basically what he said. He wanted to go to the Rangers. He didn't want any more part of New York or the New York Mets. And it sucks because even though I progressed through this offseason thinking that they weren't really going to have a shot to sign DeGrom, he doesn't want to be here, it's different when you actually see the tweet from Jeff Passan that says that DeGrom has signed a five-year deal with the Texas Rangers. And it instantly hints you, you're not going to see this man pitch for you anymore. And it sucks because I grew up with Jacob DeGrom. I remember when he made his Major League debut pitching for the Mets against the Yankees on a day that the Mets had a doubleheader, and another top prospect was actually making his debut. The more heralded right-hand pitcher making his debut for the Mets was Rafael Montero. I remember everyone talking about Rafael Montero making his big league debut, and no one really talked about Jacob deGrom, who pitched very well that year, ended up going on to win the NL Rookie of the Year, and then we all know the rest is history. And Montero's actually turned out to be pretty good, not for the Mets, but for other teams in the AL West. He went to the Mariners, I believe, and then the Astros picked him up, and he just signed a three-year extension and was a pretty integral part of that World Series championship they had this past year. So both pitchers have turned out pretty nicely, but the bottom line is it just sucks to see a guy like DeGrom leave because he's just meant so much to this franchise and uh, he's given the Mets in their down years and the Mets fans something to cheer about, something to look forward to every five days, even when the Mets absolutely sucked in those years that he won the Cy Young. So it was it was good while it lasted. It sucks that the Mets couldn't go to the playoffs when DeGrom was at his best. I know they went to the playoffs this past year and he actually pitched pretty well, but he wasn't he, he wasn't near what he was a couple years ago when he won back-to-back Cy Youngs. So that's my perspective on that. Going forward for the Mets, I think they need to sign either Nimmo or Turner. If you do that, this team will look significantly similar to the way it did last year, a 100-win team. Verlander arguably is going to give the Mets even more than DeGrom did because for Verlander, you have him for more than five starts or seven starts down the stretch like DeGrom had last year. 
and he'll contribute to more wins because I think DeGrom had five wins for the Mets to that 101 overall that they had. So you take those five wins away, but now you add Justin Verlander, who hopefully will be pitching at least 20 to 25 starts. That's about, that's probably 10 wins, I would say, 10 or 11 wins. So that's even, that's more wins right there for the Mets than what they had last year. And if you sign Nimmo, for me, I want the Mets to go out and get Nimmo now. I think he's been out there for too long. And if he was going to go to the Rockies, I think he would have already went by now. We'll certainly see a lot of those discussions play out this week because of the winter meetings. We already saw one with the Mets getting Verlander. But I do think the Mets need to get Nimmo. And if they don't get Nimmo, they need to get Trey Turner. And then they can move Marte to center. I do not want to see the Phillies get Turner. It would suck to see, but it would at least dampen the pain a little bit if the Mets could go out and retain at least one of their players in Brandon Nimmo. Nimmo's another guy who came up with the Mets, and he's been a lifelong Met. I think he wants to stay with the Mets, and it's just a matter of if the Mets want to give him a $100 million deal or right around there, something that he definitely wants Um moving forward. So I think he's definitely worth it. He's a catalyst at the top of the lineup. He can do a little bit of everything. He can run, he can hit, he can throw, he can field. He's come a long way in center field and he gets on base, which is imperative in this Mets lineup with guys like Lindor and Alonzo. You need a guy who can get on base to set the table for those guys. And Nimmo does just that. You'd be hard pressed to find anybody else who does it better than Brandon Nimmo. And if you lose Nimmo and you don't re-sign him, who are you going to replace him with? And let's just say the Phillies do get Turner because it does seem like the Phillies are the front runner for Turner. Who else is out there? You're not going to sign Aaron Judge. It seems like it's a two-way race there with the Yankees and the Giants. But if you don't get Nimmo, you're probably not going to get Turner. Who else is out there? How are you going to replace Brandon Nimmo? And then if they don't get Nimmo and they don't get Turner, we can seriously start talking about this team being significantly worse than they were last year and that would really really aggravate New York Mets fans so we'll see how it plays out I would love to get Nimmo if you were going to ask me if I'd rather have Nimmo or Turner I think I'm biased here I'm a Mets fan I want to see Nimmo back in uh, the white and blue re-sign Nimmo that's it re-sign Brandon Nimmo and then the question becomes who else are you going to sign you need another starter, you need another depth player, you need some bats, you need some bullpen guys, and those are going to be role players, and those, that's going to be the most important part. That is going to be the most important part of this offseason, because you know what you're going to get from Verlander, you know what you're going to get from Nimmo if you re-sign him, you know what you're going to get from Edwin Diaz, but you don't know what you're going to get from a role player like Kodai Senga or any other depth piece, depth bat that you add or bullpen guy in all of those questions are going to be rested on the shoulders of Billy Epler and Steve Cohen for making that right decision, because those are the most important decisions of the offseason. It's not going out and signing Verlander. Anyone can tell you to go out and sign Justin Verlander. Anyone can go out and tell you to re-sign Edwin Diaz or Brandon Nimmo. But is everyone going to be talking about signing Kodai Senga? There are a lot of people who are turned off by the Japanese right-hander. There are a lot of people that really like him you got to make the right decision on these guys who are going to help fill out the bottom part of this roster because right now it's pretty top-heavy. And more often than not, it's the role players and the depth guys that turn out to make a huge difference during the regular season and the playoffs. So it's going to be a lot to do for the New York Mets and a lot to look forward to. I'm really excited to see what they'll be able to do. 
There's going to be a limit, obviously, to what Steve Cohen can go out and spend. So they already signed Verlander. And if they go out and get a guy like Nimmo, that's going to be another chunk of change, 25 to $30 million. So they're not going to have a ton more to spend because I know Steve Cohen, even though he is the richest owner in baseball, there's even a limit to how much he's going to be able to spend. So I want those resources to be allocated economically and spent wisely. I think that's what any fan wants to see. I don't think they should go out and just throw money at anybody just to throw money at them. I think they need to be smart baseball decisions, and I'm pretty confident that Steve Cohen will be able to do that because he didn't get to his net worth of whatever it is, $16, $17 billion without making the right business decision, and I think he'll be doing that. So we spent about 12 minutes, 13 minutes, talking about baseball because of this breaking news that just occurred right before I went on. We have a few more minutes left, and there's a lot to talk about in the NFL. First things first, with the Jets and the Vikings. Jets losing 22-27. to Jets played horribly in the first half, played very well in the second half. It just wasn't enough, and they had two chances late, driving on the doorstep of the Vikings' goal line, and the Vikings' defense, they bent, but they did not break. The Jets had almost 500 yards of total offense. Another really good performance by Mike White. I know he had two interceptions, but you can make a case that both of those interceptions were not his fault. And down at the goal line, the Jets just could not get the ball in the end zone. I know they did it once, but even that was a little um, skeptical. They had to go back into replay to see if White finally crossed the line, and he did. But it was a pain to see because this Jets team probably should have won. They probably should have won this game. They played well enough in the second half. They just did not play well in the first half. And the thing is, they settled for a lot of field goals. They were terrible on third down. And a lot of that goes on the players, but also that falls on the coaching staff too. The play calling was a little questionable at times, but in the end, the Jets had a chance to win it. White throwing it to the end zone to Braxton Berrios. You ask him, Berrios, should you have caught that? He would probably say 10 out of 10, yes, definitely. But it just, you know, just did not go the Jets' way. Mike White, 300 yards of total offense, and. I'm going to say this, he's the answer at the quarterback position. I don't want to hear anything else about Zach Wilson. You need to get him right. I don't want to hear anything, anybody talk about him. Wilson is done. You know, from my perspective, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he is done with the New York Jets. I want to see Mike White be the quarterback, even if he goes out this week in Buffalo, which is a very tough place to play especially this time of year, he's probably going to get beat up. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be an ugly game, and I just really hope the Jets don't have a knee-jerk reaction on Monday and say, yep, Mike White's time here is done. Let's go to Zach Wilson. And I do not think they'll do that. I think they'll be willing to give Mike White some leeway, and I think whatever happens on Sunday, White will still be the starter from here on out. And the only way that Mike White is not going to be a starter until the end of the season is if he just goes out and plays extremely poorly or he gets hurt. And that would be extremely unfortunate, just an absolute gut punch. But I'm really excited every single week to watch this team play because White changes the dynamics of this Jets team. With the Jets, when they were winning the games with Zach Wilson, yes, they were winning games, but it wasn't because of Zach Wilson. And even though the Jets won, there was always that thought in the back of your mind that, yeah, this Jets team is good. They have a really good defense, good special teams, good coaching staff, 
good offense other than the quarterback. And that was the question. You know, is this team going to be held back because of their quarterback? And they were. The answer is yes, they were. But now with Mike White, you don't really get the sense that this team is held back or the offense isn't looking good or not playing to their capabilities. You have the wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, eight catches, 160 yards. Elijah Moore is now part of the offense. The running game is great. Mike White is completing 35 passes a game. Like this offense looks like the way it should be run. And unfortunately, with Zach Wilson, it just did not feel that way at all. Wilson had, what was it, 15 or 16 starts in this offense. Not one of them looked even close to what White has looked like in his only five starts that he has made. Four of them he's thrown for 300 yards. So he's been he's been great in this offense, but for some reason it's just not clicking for Wilson. And honestly, I do not want to see any more of Wilson. I want to see all Mike White. And I think this Jets team can make a run late in the season, make the playoffs, and be a really tough out once the playoffs start, just because the quarterback is significantly better than what they had before. Talked about it next week. They'll be playing the Buffalo Bills. That game at 1 o'clock. They're 9.5-point underdogs. As for the Giants, they tied with the Commanders. An extremely boring game, a game that the Giants probably should have won, but they didn't, and it sucks. And now the Giants have to go on and play the Philadelphia Eagles, and then they have to come back and play the Washington Commanders. So a very tough schedule for the New York Giants, and after starting off the season playing extremely well, last couple weeks have been uh, pretty down, but even with those past two weeks, they're still sitting pretty well in terms of the playoffs, thanks to the NFC just being really bad. You have the Lions, who are 5-7, and seven, and they're just outside of the playoffs, so even if the Giants lose these next two games to the Commanders and to the Eagles, There'll be 7-6-1, and one, and I mean, basically the Lions, the Falcons, the Packers, they have to win all those games. So not only do the Giants need to lose, but the Lions and the Falcons and the Packers need to win, and it's just extremely unlikely at this point. So unless the Giants just totally collapse at the end of the season, they'll be making the playoffs. So that's good news for Giants fans who will be playing the Philadelphia Eagles next week who beat the Titans, just absolutely dominated them yesterday. Elsewhere around the NFL, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, and Baker Mayfield got released by the Panthers today. I wonder if the 49ers would be open to bringing in a guy like Baker Mayfield. I know Brock Purdy played pretty well and led the Niners to a win over the Dolphins, but we'll see how that goes. And Lamar Jackson also got hurt. So Jackson, even though he's not going to be out for the year, the offense looked poor with Huntley as the quarterback, so we'll see how that plays out. And for the Browns, they won. They scored, what was it, 27 points without even scoring an offensive touchdown. Most points without an offensive touchdown since like the 1950s, something like that. But Deshaun Watson looked horrible. He threw an interception in the red zone, and the Browns still won because they were playing the worst team in the NFL. Cowboys killed the Colts on Sunday night football. And that is basically it. Tonight, you have the Buccaneers and the Saints division matchup. I'd expect the Buccaneers to win that game. That'll do it for me. Jam-packed show. I'm glad you liked it. Thank you for your support, as always. I appreciate that. I'll be back on Friday to recap what happened this week. I expect a lot more news in terms of the free agents for baseball. And then, of course, I'll preview week 14 in the NFL. Thank you for listening, and have a terrific rest of your day.